This podcast contains discussion of mental health and may mention alcohol and drug use as well as suicide. Check the show notes for more information and links to relevant support services. Let's have a chat, an open, honest chat. Join best mates Lee and Jeff as they strip back everything, literally and figuratively, to have an open conversation about life. They might not solve all the world's problems from this hot tub, but a good chat with a good mate is not a bad place to start. Welcome to another episode of No Pants, No Problems. Welcome to another episode of No Pants, No Problems. How are you this evening, Jeff? Stock standard, mate. I'm tired. I had a little nana nap when I got home from work today, but oh, um, very nice. I had a very, very good day at work. I had very uh, educated students, the joys of working at a different training school than my regular training school. Very yeah, different clientele. The different, the different uh, demographic. And yeah, I was pretty much done by lunchtime and had a good Beautiful. day. Had a good I, day. Can't, um, I can't nap. No? Like if I, even if I snooze yeah in the day i won't sleep at the night well so this is my thing i will go to bed tonight at maybe midnight one o'clock in the morning yeah sleep for five hours and that's my night sleep and then when i get home from work i have like another hour and a half or two hours and that's my seven hours for the day if that makes sense like yes i still get the same amount of sleep as you would just broken up into two lots yeah, but well, then, mind you, if I'm if I'm not home by five o'clock, I'm fucking dead because I'm missing my second part of my sleep. Yeah, you're like the kid at childcare when they stop introducing the afternoon nap. Yeah, I just, <laughs> like, I'm just crack it. Shit. <laughs> All those those prep kids in their first year of school when they have to go a whole day at school and they just day. lose their mind. Hang on a minute, you want to tell me what to do for six hours? Yeah. This I have to be awake life. and paying attention for a whole this day. Is not no. how my life operates at all. No, not good. Not good. Um, so this week, we're back to our kind of regular programming, I guess. And we're talking about anxiety. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So this kind of was um, one from a listener. Yeah, uh, who we have talked about it in a previous episode, of course, because it's one of our big things. But um, we thought we would do kind of a whole episode for it. We're gonna try. Yeah. Well, uh, the good thing about doing your own podcast is a whole episode. And if listeners look back through our back catalogue, a whole episode could be twenty-five minutes, or it could be an hour and ten. Exactly right. So when we say whole episode, we'll just talk and we'll see hey. when we run out of words and then I'll wrap it up. I like I like that last week we spoke for uh, about an hour and a half, maybe two hours. Yep. And then when I listened back to your edit, we had a 35-minute episode. <laughs> yes. like, oh, yeah, we, we did just talk a lot of shit last week, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> man, listeners... Man. Hats, hats off to you for the job you do making anything that we talk about for the for the next hour and a half into something that people want to listen to. Oh, well, hopefully people want to listen to it, but I just cut out a whole lot of crap. Listeners will 
miss out this week on a fascinating conversation about Coca-Cola products. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we already know isn't going to make the final edit. Oh. Um, and a little bit of our insight into our thoughts on brothels as well. Um, <laughs> but if you want to have those conversations with us, then get in touch. We'll talk about anything. Um, it's just, uh, it just comes down to what we're going to release as the podcast. Yes. For, for more inane yammering, join our Facebook group. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jump into the Facebook group and uh, send us a message. We're often bored on our phones looking for people to chat to. Um, so get in touch. So, yes, anxiety is something that has affected both of us. Definitely. Uh, in various levels and in various ways over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to talk about it tonight. Yeah. I think it's something that a lot of people experience. And like we've talked about depression before, mm-hmm. a lot of people experience these things, but then, but then there are kind of um, levels to it and there's the feelings of anxiety, but then there's anxiety disorders. I, I also think we, we live in a society that's very big on labels and yep. anxiety is, is one of those labels that uh, a lot of people who are outside their comfort zone will call that anxiety. Like, no, you're allowed to be uncomfortable. There's a yes. difference between being reasonably uncomfortable or apprehensive about a new situation and actual full-blown anxiety there's a big difference in my mind i've i've had i've gone through both and i know the difference like to me i think as well starting starting a new experience is an uncomfortable feeling driving to work and having to pull over and cry on the side of the road on the way to something that you've done every day for a year yep that's anxiety you know what i mean there's a big difference in my mind yeah well i think as well there is the the feeling of anxiety but then there's like the more clinical anxiety disorder kind of anxiety um but i think and you know you and i are what are we gen x I'm Gen X, yeah. Yeah, and I'm borderline Gen X millennial. More millennial end of the scale. Yeah. Um, But I think it's a very millennial, millennial Gen Z thing. Yeah. To just to have anxiety. Like, I I, I, I also think we, like, we we grew up in different ages. Like, even though there's not much difference in our age, I mean, there's obviously a difference, but my, my generation grew up analog and was introduced to digital whereas you're from the start from the start of your teen years and your high school years you had the internet you had mobile phones you had yeah all that sort of stuff like for me that came towards the middle toward like middle end of my or like second half of my high school years where we were that was an that was a new thing whereas like I've, i've always said with my with my kids who are 27 and 18 they grew up in a different world than I ever knew, even mm. though it's only 20 years different. They don't have that escape, that, that chance to turn off at the end of a school day where, where, like I did at the start of my school, high school years. Yeah, but there's also, I think there's even 
like a large difference between 27 and 18. Very true. Very in true. terms of these things and Absolutely. in terms of the world that your girls have grown up in. Well, that's it. Like your, your Snapchats, your TikToks, your fucking yeah. all the social media. Like my daughter's are like, oh, are you on this platform? I'm like, mate, I'm still on Facebook. I've still got a MySpace page. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, yeah, there, I haven't looked at MySpace in 10, 15 years, but I've still got one, I'm sure. <laughs> I, don't think anyone, I don't think anyone's looked at it. Yeah. Um, I wonder Tom, if it's Tom, even still up. Tom, Tom's still my top friend. That's how good I was on MySpace. It's still a thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's mainly about bands. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's a band thing now. Which is awesome. Yeah. Um, not that it's... I, I read I read something on Facebook and it was someone adding like, "Hey, we should put on a thing that like if someone visits your page, like a song plays that's your favorite song and stuff like that." And everyone's like, "Yeah, MySpace, <laughs> yes, we do that. <laughs> yeah. We've gone full circle." Um, one of the things probably not helping MySpace is the fact that the page still hasn't loaded. <laughs> like, um, I've, I'm trying to search. Uh, for you, but the page in all that time that we've talked, we're talking, hasn't actually loaded. So see you later, MySpace. Anyway, I'd be, I'd be on there as Monkey Boy, I think. Oh well, I didn't search for Monkey Boy. Yeah. Anyway, anxiety is what we're talking about, so, and uh, welcome to the uh, detour show. Yeah, there is um, degrees, and there is levels, and there is a difference between anxiety as a feeling and anxiety as a condition. Um, and anxiety as just a feeling, yeah. I think, is a very natural thing. Um, like, like you said, going to do something that you've never done before could make you feel anxious. Yeah. But yeah. like I said, uncomfortable and anxious, different. True? Yes, but I think anxious, you can still be anxious without having the level and kind of crippling continuous resurging yeah. anxiety that you and I have had over well, the I've, I think in my lifetime I've had maybe two or three panic attacks yeah anxiety whereas my wife Trish has them quite regularly especially around large groups of people mm. why we're such homebodies as a as a couple yeah we can, we can be at a shopping centre and she will like profusely sweat and legitimately like have that fight or flight need to fuck off, need to get out of there as quickly as possible. Yeah. Feeling and I have to like shield her from that. That's my role in that situation. And I think that like that fight or flight thing is a natural thing. Obviously it's, obviously. you know, it's a thing that's there for a reason, but the issue with uh, anxiety as a disorder is mm. that you attach that to things that don't necessarily need fight or flight. Definitely, definitely. And then that's where the issues come in. Oh. I've only had, I reckon, two anxiety attacks. Yeah. I do feel like, though, I've been on the cusp, cusp of more. Yeah. But because one of my things for a long time with my mental health was just stubborn refusal. Absolutely. I just was like, no, I'm not going to have a fucking panic yeah. attack now. I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. And I just pushed through and then like did my normal activity with this kind of 
anxiety attack happening in my guts, but the rest of the world would never have known. And I just continued on and just kind of pushed through, which isn't the advice part of the podcast. That's no, God, no. <laughs> uh, recommended coping mechanism. <laughs> um, but it is a thing that I used. Yeah. And it obviously wasn't a way of dealing with my anxiety or the root causes of it. Um, but it was a way of kind of getting through what was happening at the time. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I um I can recognize when my anxiety is is growing. Yeah. And that's um that's something you, you, that you sort of learn as over time. Like you're like, hang on, this isn't a good feeling that's coming on. This isn't so yeah, you can you know it's coming and you can feel the thing that's leading to the the fight or flight kind of response. And I think one of the things with anxiety is that it's not like generally your body um, doesn't have time. Like, you know, th- if you think instinctually, if you think about in the olden days, yeah, not olden days, like the 1900s, like yeah. ancient times, caveman yeah. times, yeah. you didn't, you didn't have that kind of build up. Like if something was going to attack you, if the woolly mammoth was coming, did you just go 1900s caveman? Like that's like just the next step. No. <laughs> the civilized part of olden times. Okay, okay, okay. Right back to caveman. Okay. When which is when the fight or flight thing was real. Yeah. And there was a lot more yeah, you know, actual need for a... Yeah. Things that could kill you as you walk around the jungle or whatever. Um, but you didn't have necessarily the time to build up to the what the hell's going to happen. You just got, you know, the attack or the event or the, you know, tiger coming out of the trees. Exactly right. Yeah. The the fight or flight was a a survival instinct. And in today's modern society, it's not a survival instinct. It's more a... No. Inconvenience more than anything, I would say. Um, the last time I was in a situation that I needed my fight or flight reaction, I was able to escape that situation without the need for the for the actual need for it. If that makes sense, like yes, I have the 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 reaction is is triggered a lot more than is necessary. Yeah, and and I think that that's a general thing. A lot, I think, a lot of people still have those anxious feelings. Like I'm just seeing there's an article on healthline.com and it says it's normal to feel anxious about moving to a new place, starting a new job or taking a test. This type of anxiety is unpleasant, but it may motivate you to work harder and to do a better job. Ordinary anxiety is a feeling that comes and goes, but does not interfere with your everyday life. Exactly. And then it says in the case of an anxiety disorder, the feeling of fear may be with you all the time. It is intense and sometimes debilitating. Mm-hmm. This type of anxiety may cause you to stop doing things you enjoy. In extreme cases, it may pre- prevent you from entering an elevator, crossing the street, or even leaving your home. So, you know, as leaving I your said, home is one of the things we talked about. There's a few times I've had to pull over on the way to work. Yeah. Because for whatever reason, the idea of walking in the door at work 
was the most frightening thing on the planet. Yeah. And even though logically you're well aware that once you get to work, everything's fine. I just, I've had to turn the car around and go home and just crawl into bed and hide because it just yeah. wasn't something that my body was going to let me do that day. And that's yeah, the case that's, with that's, a lot of kind that's of... That's the disorder. That's the disorder part of that. There's no reason for that. There was no trigger for that. It was just, for whatever reason, my brain just went like, not today. And often for um, for mental health issues, one of the things that makes it more frustrating is that the logical part of your brain that's not going nuts at the time the logical part of your brain can tell you that no this is like if you go to work you will be fine Mm. but the anxiety is overtaking and overriding that um and that certainly for me has made it more frustrating the anxiety thing is because the fight or flight is trying to protect me from something that you know is going to threaten my life yeah but i'm also like well no this isn't yeah. going to threaten my life yeah you're you're aware of the fact that it's not a real thing and that is even more frustrating i think yeah. yeah yeah so um it can be incredibly frustrating and you know this other article um on healthline.com again is one of the fr- another one of the frustrating things about it is when people tell you, are you just stressed? Yeah. So the headline of this is, if you're battling anxiety and depression, don't let anyone tell you it's just stress. Mm. So that's, you know, and that's a thing that we face often and that's why we're having these conversations. Exactly. And that's why one of the hashtags we put on all our posts is in the stigma, um, is so that we kind of increase the understanding around what it actually is. I think in 2021, and especially after everything we've been through with the pandemic and all the rest of it, I think a lot more people are aware of mental health than they may have been earlier. Yep. Yep. But unless you've experienced it or you not suffer from it, but deal with depression and anxiety, Mm. I know like my wife's anxiety is a lot worse than mine. So from an outsider looking in on her anxiety, it's... It's not a frust- not frustrating for me, but it's you can see she's not in control, and I can from that point go, well, I've got to cancel whatever plans we had because yeah, even if I push her to get through it and get her to the thing, she's not going to be the person that she wants to be there at, no. the, at, the, at the destination. You know, what I mean, it's not a it's not a case of just push through it and you'll be fine. It. It, it doesn't go away. It's it's that constant that is the the disorder, the, the problem with it. It's not yeah. a case. Just just suck it up, you'll be fine. Like the you know the old days, you were told to you know hold in your emotions and just deal with it, just push on. Yeah, and then it doesn't work for anxiety. No, well, it doesn't work for any mental health condition, um, and we know that mm. now. And I think. I think you're right in that a lot more people understand that there are a lot more mental health conditions. Mm. I think what needs to kind of come next is the understanding of what they are Mm -hmm. and how they affect people 
And I think one of the things that helps with that is people like us and, you know, other people that openly talk about what anxiety is. So, you know, and then if someone says, oh, you're just really stressed, that, then that's the opportunity for us to say, no, no, this is this my is the- anxiety and this is the blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's still, it's, it's hard to, like I said, it's hard to explain to somebody who doesn't deal with it. Like if, if I hadn't had my fits of anxiety and my fits of depression and yep. dealt with it for as long as I had, my wife, as we go to get into the car to even just come over to your place for dinner, yep. saying, I can't do it, would be the most frustrating thing in the world. You know what I mean? But because I understand it, I can go like, okay, well, we don't have to. I can call and say, you know, like, not tonight, we'll reschedule or whatever. But yeah. And you have. Yeah, I have. And... I have done many times, but it's more for people who don't have my understanding, I can see the issue, if that makes sense. Like, I know I understand how people can be upset with people who suffer from this. It's just, it's the whole understanding thing that it's easier to walk through fire and understand why other people have been burned, if that makes sense, if, if that's a fitting yeah. metaphor. If, you, if you've felt the heat, you know what the danger is, what the yeah. feeling. Yeah. If, if you've never you know if you've never been near that condition or had that that feeling you don't understand it which is reasonable you know yes. what I mean? like, but also this is why we're trying to open the conversation to get more people to understand that this is a bigger more, more widely felt thing than people are willing to talk about not everyone's willing to have this conversation so that's why we do it true and yeah, it is important, yeah, for us to have the conversation and for us to put it out there. And I think it's important for people that uh, feel the anxiety and maybe know people who don't have the same understanding. Mm. I think it's important for them to explain the situation. Um, and it comes down, as you were saying about the understanding thing, I was thinking of empathy versus sympathy. Yeah. And so, and I'll admit, I get them all confused. I get them still confused. And so I've looked it up to make sure I don't get it wrong. Well, em- empathy is in my, in my understanding, tell me if I'm wrong, you've got it in front of you, right? Yeah. yeah. Empathy is recognizing the feeling and understanding the feeling whereas sympathy is feeling sorry for the person who has that feeling so close empathy is the one where you have experienced something similar and so you can understand the feeling so you and i have empathy when trish is having an anxiety moment yeah um whereas someone who hasn't gone through those kind of anxiety things after we explain what anxiety is or Trish has a conversation with you about it. Yeah. They are more sympathetic yeah. because I'm sorry, they I'm sorry you go through that, but yeah. they don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. So there is the possibility for people to be sympathetic to things like anxiety, but not if we don't have these conversations yeah. and we don't increase the understanding 
around anxiety. But I do think, like you said, it's a more open time for a lot of mental health things now. Yeah. Uh, and so it is a time where we can have those conversations yeah. um, and increase As- that understanding and increase that sympathy. Jeez. Two Drink Cinema, an Odd Socks Entertainment podcast. I'm Lee. And I'm Brett. We are two brothers reviewing movies. Two drinks at a time. The old. The new. The classic. And the cult. We tick all the boxes. We bring you the news on the latest movie releases. And drunkenly review some of the best films of yesteryear. Find us on your favourite podcast platform. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Two Drink Cinema. Cheers. As a um, as a sufferer of anxiety yourself, what do you have? Like we've said, you you, you can recognise the symptoms coming on the same as I have. Hmm. What are some of the things that you employ to? You say stubborn, but there's got to be something more than just out yes. of it. What give me some of your coping mechanisms? What are some some of the things that you do to? Um, stubbornness is actually still a big one. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, definitely. Um, but there's more to it than that. You can't just outright, if, if you get swept up in that moment of anxiety, you can't just will yourself out of it. There's got to be a couple of little tricks and tips you can share. I've, I've got some that I can share as well, but I'll, I'll, yeah. I'm asking you first to see how well, similar our dealing techniques are. Yeah, one of, the, one of the big ones that I've used, so a lot of my anxiety has been around social situations definitely but not necessarily number like i know for trish that crowds and the number of people is a big thing yeah for me it's not necessarily the number of people as your best mate i've been in a room full of familiar faces and seen you in the corner freaking out i know yeah you have certain triggers in social situations yeah. So this is a different thing to what we're talking about today. I'm, I'm more talking about coping. How would you, how do you deal with that? Thing? Yeah. So yeah. because my uh, social anxiety is not necessarily numbers based, mm-hmm. it's more based around the fitting in. Yeah. And I am often very anxious that I will do something embarrassing yeah. um, or something that will affect people's view of me. Uh, or <laughs> which is why we're mates because I'm the naked guy in the corner that you can go have a look at that dickhead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Deep See fun. how I just did this thing? He's going to do something much worse. Just you wait. <laughs> well, and that sorry, kind sorry, of sorry. <laughs> that kind of leads me into one of my coping things for different reasons. One of my coping things is to have safe people. Yeah. So as well as the anxiety around whether or not I'm going to embarrass myself or do the wrong thing. Uh, one of the things is around fitting in yeah. and having someone that's going to want to talk to me. Yeah. Which if you think like, and listeners are probably going, this guy's two podcasts. Like, does he really have trouble talking to people? <laughs> 100%, yeah. Well, I do. The two podcasts I have 
uh, with my the two of the best people in my life. So <laughs> obviously, we're, we're literally one on one, and it's with the most comfortable person you're ever yep. going to be around. So yeah, recording it to send out to the masses is way different to actually being with the masses. Yeah, and so because one of the issues is whether or not I'm going to have someone to talk to or someone that wants to talk to me, I have safe people. So yep. if I know. Like for a lot of people with social anxiety, going to a party where you don't know many people is going to be a huge trigger. And it is for me, but there are a handful of people that I know that if they're going to be there, I'll be fine. Yeah. Like, for example, I was asked to be groomsman for my mate who lives in Queensland. I only knew the groom. Yeah. Right. Um. And the plan was to fly up on the Friday um, to spend the weekend in a house with a few of his mates. And then the wedding was Monday and then wedding reception. Yeah. Ordinarily, like social anxiety, that's a, would be a stupid trigger for 99% hell, hell, of hell. people with social anxiety. And I knew it would be for me but I knew Lewis was going to be there and that would be fine. Yeah. That's also, that's also more of a, as much as it's a social anxiety thing, that's just an uncomfortable situation for anybody. You know what I mean? Like if you don't know the room full of people you're going into, that's yes. People who are anxious are going to blow that up, but that's not a good feeling for people who are completely grounded. You know what I mean? Like that's still a, I think a lot of people can cope with that pretty well um i i certainly know people that would be quite happy to be in a room with a lot of different people or a lot of people that they didn't know i kind Um, of i kind of excel in that situation where if i don't know anybody i can full-blown be myself and run amok with no fear if that makes makes sense because chances are i'm never going to see anyone in that room again yeah so i i don't have that fear of i'm going to mess up and these people aren't going to want to talk to me again which is my social anxiety of being in a crowd of friends is i'm going to do something that people are going to realize that i'm actually a dickhead and don't want to talk to me anymore yeah yeah that's that's my uh, irrational fear i guess well then there are some people and probably most people that have realized that you are a dickhead but still talk to you 20 years later 100 percent (laughs) yeah And then I'll start do a podcast. podcast with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's so going back to that wedding example, that wedding was 20, let's say 18. Yeah. No, 2019. Sorry if Lewis is listening. I forgot your wedding anniversary. <laughs> I barely remember my own. Um, so, he, in 2019, I was actually pretty good. I did do a couple of things to prepare myself. I flew up earlier in the year and met two of the other groomsmen. Yeah. And I made sure that I spent a bit more time with Lewis. Oh, so you, so you, you knew more than a week out that you're going to be in the wedding. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Some people <laughs> are much better at those things um, than others. If Lewis had five groomsmen, okay? Wow. If I'd had five groomsmen... 
you that's would have been there it. from the start. Okay, I, I was there. I was <laughs> I was the beard in the party. That's fine. Yeah, you you and you excelled at being a substitute groomsman. I would say. <laughs> okay. Anyway. I did do a couple of things to prepare myself. I went up and I met a couple of the other groomsmen. I made sure I spent more time with his fiance and I met his dad uh, and his sisters. So I did you knew know familiar, more people. You at least knew familiar faces in the crowd. Yeah, and they knew who I was. Yeah. One person, I mean, it was funny, at the reception, one person obviously didn't know who I was because I sat down to talk to one of the groomsmen and his girlfriend was with him. And after a bit of the conversation, she goes, oh, I really like your shirt. It's really similar to the groomsmen's. <laughs> that's like, well, that's because, like, it's the same as the groomsmen. Yeah, I was, I was um, in that wedding. I was one of the guys standing up there. I was like <laughs> third in line. I wasn't, like, even fifth in line. <laughs> I was much closer to Lewis than your boyfriend actually was. <laughs> I was the guy standing in front of your boy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I did know a few people, but then also if that wedding had been in 2009 instead of 2019, yeah, I would have like done my absolute utmost to convince Shane to take the week off work so that he could come. Yeah, I understand. Because I would not have been able to deal with that. Yeah. Um, no matter how good Lewis and Jordan are. Yeah. I would not have been able to do it. Yeah. And the the big reason for that is I actually care a lot less about what people think. Yeah. About me. That comes with age as well. Yeah. And so I think, and I'm kind of just realizing this in real time as we talk about it. Yeah. I think my anxiety is considerably less than it used to be mm -hmm. because I used to, and you've talked about this and I'm pretty sure it's come up in the podcast. You, I used to want to have a thousand friends. Yeah. Um, which is stupid because I would have had a thousand friends and not liked 990 of them. Yeah. <laughs> and so now I've come to realize that you don't need a thousand. Number one, yeah. you're not going to get ever going to get a thousand. You could get a thousand people that like you, yeah, but you're not going to get a thousand friends. You're definitely not going to get a whole lot of close friends. And so, I know that there are the close circle of my people that like me, value me, uh, support me, all of those things, and then kind of the the next circle out are you know close as well and then outside that i'm like i don't really care like uh, yeah, i'm gonna go to a party and you have your acquaintances you have your people that you're happy to see four or five yeah. times a year yeah and then you have your people that you catch up with if they're there <laughs> and then you have yes. people you know but don't really give a shit about yeah yeah but also like i generally don't give a shit a lot of the time. But there are still times where my anxiety tries to tell me that I give a shit. 100%. Yeah. I think that's a big thing. And so I, I just am 
and this is bringing the stubbornness back. I just sometimes go, no, that's not how it's going to be. Mm. And I'm just like, well, no, you're wrong, anxiety. I actually don't give a shit about this situation. Yeah. So we're going to power through and just go through it anyway. And I know that didn't really talk about coping mechanisms. No, no, it sort of did. It sort of, it's, it, I, can, I can bring it back with how I deal with it, right? Like yep. my, my experiences with anxiety, when I get to that point where, you know, you've got the two sides of your brain, you've got your logical side of your brain that's telling you there is nothing wrong. Yep. And then you've got your anxious side of your brain that's saying, no, no, we're in danger. My, my biggest coping mechanisms are stop and break it down. Do the, do the five senses thing, you know, like look around, have a look around your environment, make your brain realize you, there's nothing eminent that's about to attack you or yep. you know, go, go back to those caveman senses. I can't see anything that's going to hurt me. I can't smell anything that's like a predator that's about to eat me. Yeah. I can't hear anything that's dangerous to me. There's nothing touching me that's hurting me or causing this type of feeling. There's, if you break it down to the senses, you, your brain has to go, oh, well, maybe something else is going on. Something that, there's something wrong in our, prog- in our processing. And this, this is how I bring my wife back from that edge. Mm. You know, when we're in a shopping center and she's like freaking out, I'll just I'll hold her face and say, look at me. Feel my hands, hold my hands, look in my eyes, close your eyes. What can you hear? I can hear people, blah, blah, blah. She'll break it down and slow down. And then we can slowly pair back all those feelings of I'm in danger to there is no danger here. I'm just uncomfortable. Get it back to that main feeling and then you can... I can at least get her out of the place that we're in rather than have her paralyzed with fear in the middle of a shopping center. I can yeah. at least walk her outside, get her some air, let her logical brain take over and get back to the situation. I've done, I've had to do that to myself. Like I said, driving to work is, was always a big one for me after, especially after a couple of days off. I think yep. your, body, your body just gets to like, no, no, we want to be at home. Well, it, it almost um, becomes a new situation. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're driving, driving in the car and I'll be halfway down the freeway and someone will cut me off and my brain was like, that's it, we need to get out of here. <laughs> it's like, no, no, yep. no. People are dicks. We need to keep driving. Yes. Like, yeah. So, yeah. And as a professional driver back in those days, was very common that people would cut me off. Very common that I would feel like I was in danger on the road. Yeah. But, yeah. Heading And now, funnily enough, walking into a situation where I do public speaking for a living... Yeah, not, not so anxious not so anxious yeah. at all like yeah well interestingly like you know and the studies have shown that public speaking is the one thing yeah. that most people are anxious about more and, higher than death yeah um Surprising. but you and i as two people that have suffered from anxiety have not really much problem with it i think it's more because we have if that makes sense. Yeah. We've, we've programmed ourselves to know that it's not a dangerous situation. But even when I 
even when my anxiety was really bad. Yeah. Like I mentioned 2009. Yeah. So between probably 2006 to 2009 was quite bad. Mm-hmm. But like I was hosting trivia nights to like two, 300 people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I was doing community radio like two shows a week. And, and like that thing never worried me. No, but, definitely. No, I think, but that's more personality, I guess. We yeah. are, we aren't, I'm, I'm never comfortable being the center of attention, but I'm happy to be the guy to the left of that person, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm happy to feed the person who wants to be the center of attention. If that's if that's any, you know, like people that know you listening would be like, "That's not you, Jeff." No, really. Yeah, like you are the center of attention. I don't. Yeah, but I'm not. I don't know. I'm not comfortable in that in that role. It's just kind of where I end up because of my personality. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas I, I'm similar. I'm not comfortable being the center of attention until i am and then you're then you own it yeah like which is why i don't want to be which is why our friendship works because even though you're not comfortable being there you excel there and on the one to the left going like yeah this guy's fucking awesome (laughs) (laughs) you're my what i call you my hype man i'm your fucking wingman (laughs) yeah yeah I'm there. I'm there with the banner. I'm the. I'm, I'm the. I'm the. The Jimmy Hart with the megaphone to your Hulk Hogan. There you go. I've got another wrestling reference in yes, here. Yes, good. Another one I don't get. Um, <laughs> I understand the concept. Yeah. I just don't get the particular reference. And I I'm do. Gonna know say, who I'm going to. I'm going to put. I'm going to put the picture of Jimmy Hart and Hulk Hogan on the on the Facebook group. So you yeah. can know who we're talking about. And you're send it through oh, to me. I'll, I'll, I'll Photoshop our faces onto it. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. Yeah, coping mechanisms for me, it was just the repeated stopping, acknowledging it. And then because of my incredibly analytical brain and the the strength of my logical side of my brain. Yeah. Because like even though a lot of my mental health issues come from things that don't make sense. Yeah. Uh, like I won't talk about my depression, but I'm depressed about things that outside people will go, what do you mean you're depressed about that? You're stupid. Yeah. No, um, yeah. And not in a nasty way. I'm happy for people to tell me that my depression is stupid because it is. Yeah. And a lot of people are yelling at their podcast screens right now. Cause I've just said, I'm happy for people to tell me my depression is stupid. <laughs> No, but, look, but depression, depression is stupid. This is the thing. Yeah. If 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 we're going to be talking honestly about this conversation, if you have depression, you know it's stupid. You know it drives you fucking mental. You know well, it's not. And that's why I have spent the last 10, 15 years training myself because I have the very strong logical side of my brain, which is what makes me a good businessman. And a good life coach for me. Um, I have trained myself to 
life coach myself. Yeah. And to force that logic to take over from the stupidity of my anxiety. Yeah. And so it's kept going and now it's much easier. Yeah. Yes. Now it is easier because I have consistently told myself and as I've gone along in doing it, the amount of time that it took me to recognize that it was the illogical anxiety Mm. that I was feeling has lessened. Yeah. So like going to meet, you know, I think of a couple of times going to meet friends at the beach for a weekend away or whatever. It's an hour and 15 minute drive to Ocean Grove from my house Mm -hmm. or an hour of that drive. I would be anxious. Yeah. Um, and then I would get there and then just I would a question, get... Just a question. Is it the first hour or the last? Would, uh, you, would you leave home anxious and get and feel better as you get closer? Or is it... You well, are, it would vary. You leave home feeling okay, but as you get closer, you freak out. I, I would... Because I'm, I'm one that... I'm re- it's really hard to get me out the door. Like, yeah. If, I, if I'm... My, my anxiety is... You need to be at home. You need to be safe, which, you know, as, as you've said, people who know me probably don't realize that it takes a big fucking effort for me to leave my home. Yeah. People who really know me know that's a thing, but people who my, my next circle out are probably not aware so much of that. So I it, would it's, be... it, it, it's so hard for me to get out of the house and I'll be freaking out on an hour, hour and a half drive, the first hour and 20 minutes will probably be unbearable. But it's that last 10 minutes. And I'm like, okay, we've got this far. And you like these people. You know, it's going to, this, this will be fine. This will be good. This will be okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It, it's a, um, it would depend on the situation, occasionally depend on the people. But often it would be uh, anxious to leave the house mm-hmm. it would sometimes be split yeah. like the half an hour before i had to leave mm-hmm. i would have to force myself to get in the car and go peek behind the curtain for us how many times have i called you and said can't come five minutes before we leave yeah i've, yeah. I've literally been sitting in the car and going like i can't do it can't do it yeah. and that's like without talking myself up and that's to your safe people yeah as yeah, i mentioned I before 100 yeah, so the, the half an hour before I have to leave, I would, would have to like fully G myself up to leave. And yeah. I've often been late because of it. Then once I'm going, because I've worked so hard at convincing myself to go, my brain's like, oh yeah, all of those reasons are valid. Yeah, You're doing the right thing. Yeah. Then I will get to somewhere, park, and I, my anxiety used to tell me, you're going to walk into this house and there's going to be no one there that wants to talk to you. What the fuck are you even doing here? Yeah. No one wants you here. Yeah, yeah. Turn around and drive home. Yeah. Um, I'm normally, oh, that's, that's my, that's my, uh, my show face is on by then, if that makes sense. My, yes. My game face is on by the time I'm parking the car. Well, I get the game face and spend the first 20 minutes of the thing with the game face on before I actually realize people are there and I'm valid in being there. Yeah, definitely. 
Yeah. So, think, yeah, the well, game we, face was a big one yeah. um, in kind of, and I would often stubbornly put that game face on in order to get me into somewhere to then realise that there was no threat and there was no issue and there was nothing to run from. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's anxiety is a bitch. Yes. Describe it. It's 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 not it's a it's a part of your life that's always there, never useful, but always going to influence everything you do. There's never been a time in my life where I've said, Oh, lucky I was anxious about that because you know that made things better. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's it's just one of those things that always ruins opportunities makes you feel like shit when you give into it makes you you know lo- you lose friendships over this sort of thing like i've lost i've lost yeah. many friendships over not being able to be at certain functions and stuff like that where people are just like look i'm not going to bother he's not going to come you know, that's where you and i have persevered because you know what I, why i'm not going to be there or whatever the reason is you know? well also because for a long time i was convinced that you were one of only three people that liked me <laughs> but also so that comes around to yeah well there there might be now if <laughs> that comes um shane doesn't count he married me he has yeah, to yeah, like me true. um that but you having said at, we've endured comes around to how it's cost me friendships yeah because my anxiety is having to know that people want me in their life yeah and so the constant texting is something that you manage to deal with (laughs) of the like are we okay like is this okay sorry to message you now yeah 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 and then like oh did i say something that i shouldn't have said last night I had uh, speaking of that, I had, I had a funny conversation with my one of my my basically my team leader, my boss at work at the moment. Yeah. I um on Monday I had the day off, so me and one of my really good mates, like one of my new my new good mates at the moment, went for a ride on our motorbikes, and we thought, you know, we both work together. We'll we'll pop in and see John at work. We got there and he wasn't there, and Mark's like, let's go to his house. Thought, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're gonna go see john at his house and we rocked up at his house had a beer had a chat had a good laugh you know just 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 catching up and then he rang me the next day and he's like oh sorry to bother you at home sorry like you know, i know this is outside of work yeah, yeah. I'm sorry to bother you i'm like dude i showed up on your doorstep we're pretty yep. good like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can call me at midnight i'm not going to be mad i showed up on your freaking doorstep unannounced <laughs> yeah, yeah. but um yeah it, it's my anxiety has has manifested itself in a whole lot of different ways. And yeah. that constant seeking that constant reassurance from people yeah. um, has quite probably um, cost me it, potential it, it, friendships. It, it, it can be draining, but like, you know, not, not saying you, I'm saying like, yeah, yeah. if you're, if you are friends with someone who 100% constantly needs reassurance, it can be like, just fucking relax like we're, we're but you and i have got to the point where we both have needed that at different points yep and, you know like i've I haven't been the best mate for the last 20 years 
but I'm always available and you are you're one of my rocks you're one of my no matter you know you, we, we we haven't had screaming matches at each other but we have had little disagreements but that's you, you just know that's not the end of the friendship we're, we're beyond yep. that sort of shit you, yep. it's, it's going to be you need, you need to have those people that you can disagree with and not think that's the end no and and i think um we definitely have that security yeah around that, our good friendship. word good word yeah yeah well i think the interesting thing about our friendship as well is as it's developed you still have this idea that there were there were whole chunks of time where you weren't a good mate and i thinking back now i thought that at the time mm. but thinking back now knowing what i know now is that people are going to do their own thing yeah and you because of the way you think about yourself mm. still probably think oh i was a shit friend but now i look at it and think well that's what just what jeff was doing at the time yeah and you know in the you know 10 years that we've been best mates the 20 years that we've been mates yeah. you've gone through a divorce yeah and a serious relationship ending yeah three house moves yeah <laughs> 17 career changes well, yeah and the and then the whole baseball club thing so like you might go oh you know lee thought for those three years that i was a really shit bloke mm. whereas i was like He's got at shit. the time probably i was like oh fuck jeff he doesn't it's not texting me back for two days yeah but now i'm like well of course jeff didn't text me back for two days he was moving house or had, trish had, was had, had, shit, had shit going on yeah. or trish was in hospital she was having another yeah. surgery or whatever bullshit yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that her surgeries are bullshit, but you know. Oh, no, I get, I get. Um, and so, that's one thing that's really helped me around my social anxiety and my friendship anxiety mm. is acknowledging that people have their own shit and are doing their own thing. I think, and I think I think the best mates that I have are the ones that I don't have to speak to every day because everyone's got their own shit going on. Yep, like. One of my one of my absolute closest friends, I speak to twice a year. Yeah, like, but I fucking love that guy. Like, if he if he called me up out of the blue and said, "I need a hundred grand," I'd try my best to make that happen. You know what I mean? Like, he's yeah that 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 closer friend. But I don't need to know what he had for breakfast. I don't need to know. Oh, fine. I'll stop texting what, what I had for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Something from Dodos, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is most mornings. Um, no, you're 100% right. Yeah. And uh, the good... Friendship, friendships and anxiety and social anxiety are all, all connected to our topic. But it's it's more... I think it's, it's, a, it's an important realisation to know that, you know, something you, you consider to be a really big deal and something that's going to give you anxiety about a friendship could just be 
that person's going through some shit themselves and they haven't got time to answer your message. It's not a yep. personal attack. Yep. You know, like, I know. Well, and it's also like, and I've, by repeated efforts and I guess training, mm. it, I have trained myself to acknowledge the other person in my anxiety about them. So, yeah. you know, there have t- been times where I've been anxious about our friendship, but over the times of times, yeah. I've trained myself to be like, no, this is how Jeff is and this is what yeah. Jeff does. Yeah. Um, and there's the same with other people. I've mentioned it in a couple of episodes. Lewis is terrible at texting. Yeah. And, you know, despite the fact that he asked me to be a groomsman, I had some really bad anxiety about whether or not I even thought I was a friend. <laughs> That's the, you know, prime example of yeah. an illogical anxiety thought. Two, but, two of my two of my, uh, my absolute fucking best like male loves of my life you and my good mate bear i've been in both of your weddings and both yep. times as the emergency groomsman <laughs> i think i think emergency groomsman is an incredibly valuable spot <laughs> whether or not you get used because i was emergency I, I groomsman do, for a wedding but didn't get used i do not have any closer friends than you guys. So there's no chance that I'm ever going to be a best man or a fucking call-in for a wedding. Maybe Jacko. Maybe. Yeah. Could happen. You never know. He's my my adopted son more than my mate. You're probably more likely to be giving him away than standing next to him. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so, uh, anxiety, I really like your coping mechanism of the five senses. Yeah. That's something that I haven't necessarily used. Yeah. But I can definitely see I'm not saying you need to lick anything. It's more the four senses I use. So. Yeah. 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 But yeah. you could be tasting something poisonous. <laughs> I don't know. I guess. <laughs> Um, I said the five senses and then I listed four and I'm like the other one's taste I'm not really I don't have something for taste but anyway yeah and I don't need to hear about Trish licking you in the middle of the shopping centre either (laughs) (laughs) so that's something that I can definitely even though I haven't used it can Mm. definitely see the value of Um, but then my side of it has been to use the the logic the stubborn logic definitely yeah It's, it's a very similar process it's just mine is more tactile yeah yeah Yeah. um and mine is more the cerebral side of things yeah definitely and so i guess for the listeners they're our main two there are bits of advice tips and advice um stare anxiety in the face and make it your bitch is lee's advice and mine is yeah look at it and realize it's not a thing which if you no, Jeff and I, they seem flipped. <laughs> <laughs> like if you're going to look at the two of us and go, which one of those is going to make anxiety their bitch? <laughs> You'd think it would be Jeff, but um, it's me. And it's worked for the most part. And I love it, mate. I love it. Um, so we are keen, though, to hear from anyone uh, who has other tips for anxiety we will put a post out for a little bit of discussion, but we'll have a bigger discussion of it in the Facebook group, which is open to everyone. 
that listens. So the link for that is in the episode description. So please come along and join us there to discuss in a little bit more detail what we discuss on our episodes. Thank you, Jeff, for your chat this week. Thank you, Leroy. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of No Pants, No Problems. Make sure you subscribe on your favourite platform so you don't miss an episode. Join the conversation by following us on Facebook and Twitter at No Pants Pod. If you or someone you know needs support around their mental health, there are many support services available. Check the show notes for links. This episode is produced by Odd Socks Entertainment, music composed by Shane Cole-Hayhow and introduced by Matt Pankhurst. Bye for now.